So tonight's readings, and what I'm going to be doing myself is using a quote from the Buddha Shakyamuni from one of the sutras, and I'll be using that as the basis for our discussions going forward. So tonight's discussion, <clears throat> the first quote, is attributed to Shakyamuni Buddha in what is known as the Pali scriptures or sutras. Yet men in anger kill themselves, distraught for reasons manifold. For craze they stab themselves with daggers, and desperation swallow poison, perish hanged by ropes, or fling themselves over a precipice. Yet how their life-destroying acts bring death unto themselves as well, that they cannot discern that this is the ruin that anger breeds. The next quote is by a fifth century Buddhist teacher by the name of Buddha Gosa. Holding on to anger is like grasping a hot coal with the intent of throwing it at someone else. You are the one who gets burned. So the first thing that I want to talk about tonight and the reason that I have both those readings is because that second reading by Buddha Gosa is often, in many places, attributed directly to Shakyamuni Buddha. Now, there are some who say that we shouldn't do that, that we should only use uh, the words that are attributed or found in uh, the Pali Canon. And it's interesting to note that Buddha Gosa himself, uh, living in the 5th century of the Common Era, also often would go off script, so to speak. And while he was revered as a great teacher, that's a criticism that sometimes was laid against him. It is my opinion, it is certainly the way of the Dragonfly Saga, that we are not a people of the book. That while we honor the writings throughout the millennia that have been written, we do not have a fundamentalist approach to our scripture. So when someone says, this is a real quote of the Buddha, or this is a fake quote, I understand what they're saying, but they're basically saying that only the words attributed to the Buddha Shakyamuni in the Pali Canon are authentic. And I don't agree with that. It's important to note, too, that even those writings were written centuries after the time of Shakyamuni. Our faith is not based on scripture. Our faith is based on the experience of our personal practice. The scriptures, the sutras, everything else that we do is here to support our practice, not the other way around. So for me, the Buddha is still living and speaking, even in writings that are made today. So I just wanted to say that as a preface. So let's talk about anger. So there's several ways that we can approach this. And I think the most important way is to distinguish anger from hatred. Often anger and hatred are put together. And sometimes even in some translations, some folks will do that. I don't agree with that. Anger for me is something that is a naturally arising emotion. Hatred is when anger 
becomes congealed and becomes a way of life for someone. And that's why we call it one of the three poisons of the mind. But anger itself does not seem to last that long. No matter how strong the flame may be, it needs a lot of fuel to keep it going. Hatred, on the other hand, has a coldness to it that is different from anger. So that's the first thing I wanted to do is distinguish between those. So what do we do with anger? Well, the Buddha Shakyamuni and Buddha Gosa are making it very obvious that anger is something that is destructive. We live in a culture and time where anger is often celebrated and even aligned with words like justice. But for Buddhists, anger is an emotion that is created from deluded thinking. So the first way for us to work with anger is understand the interconnected source of anger. Now, if we look at our four directions model, we very clearly are able to see the interdependent chain of origination or causation, that anger as an emotion cannot exist without certain thoughts and beliefs to fuel. Anger, in a sense, is empty without that origin. So when we're working with anger, if we want to eliminate anger from our lives, we can't stop it from coming up sometimes. But what we can do is we can stop, take a breath, take a beat, and look at the origin of our anger. Again, anger arises from thoughts that are delusional. Thoughts that are based on clarity do not create anger and do not congeal into hatred. So the first step for us in working with anger is to simply look at the thoughts that we're creating it, and maybe the beliefs that are underlying those thoughts. That's number one. And what I've found is that anger is, I even have this saying because I love cake, anger is the icing on the hurt cake. What I've found is that anger has its origins, as all deluded thoughts do, and a sense of separation. So when I feel separated from, from you, from my group, from others, or from things that I have an attachment to, there's a pain there that comes in, and that pain then develops into thought processes of being hurt. That I feel that someone has hurt me, or something is hurting me. And anger is the way that our ego self protects us from hurt. So, in my experience, every time I examine anger in myself, or I do with those that I give counsel and direction to, I find that there's a hurt underneath there, and that anger is just trying to defend. The ego is trying to defend against that hurt. And likewise, I find that the hurt is based upon a belief that is unclear. So by understanding that, I can begin to question the thoughts and beliefs that are at the source and the fuel of that anger. 
And of course, the best tool that I can recommend to our practitioners is to utilize the four questions, which is a part of the four directions system of mindfulness. So that's the first and most important thing. Secondly, the next way that we can look at this emotion of anger is to understand that we can transmute the energy of anger. In, in Southern Asian Buddhism and Buddhist traditions, the former explanation is the primary way with, in which we deal with anger. But in the Northern Asian traditions, over time, they also developed a practice that they called transmuting afflictive emotions. And so anger itself can be transmuted and by transmuted, what I mean is, is that once we are calmer and clearer, or even while we're in the midst of feeling the anger, we can transmute that anger into something that is not destructive, but something that's creative. When we're practicing the Dharma, we, we can very clearly understand that our actions are either going to create and bring life, or they're going to be destructive. And so transmuting of an emotion is giving it a life-giving option. Now, what is the transmutation of anger? The transmutation of anger, quite simply, when we transmute it, it allows us to clarify our attachments. So usually when we're angry, there's an attachment to something that we feel that is going to be taken away. And that's what generates that emotion. If we can see that attachments, like aversions, if they're taken too far, cause suffering, then anger can help us to clarify whether or not we're overreaching with what we believe the attachment will give to us. So, for example, if I'm angry about something that I feel someone has wronged me, or maybe someone has hurt me in some way, one of the first things it can do is clarify for me the attachment I have to that person or the attachment I might have to that object. And it can help me to realize that maybe I've been putting too much on that object, that I've been projecting too much onto that person, and allows me to step back and take a cleaner, clearer view of things. And that in itself will allow the anger to be transmuted into a more life-giving source, a clarity factor. And it allows me to see that maybe I've been putting too much emphasis on this object or too much into what I think this person actually represents. It's one of the most basic lessons we learn in the Dharma is that it's not wrong to have desires. It's not wrong to have attachments. It's not even wrong to have aversions. But what happens is we make too much out of those attachments and aversions. We give them too much meaning or we give them meaning that they can't possibly carry. No object and no person can make me happy. It can give me pleasure or it can give me displeasure, but it can't make me happy. And so anger can be transmuted into the clarification of my attachment. 
there's one last thing that the Buddha talks about uh, in one of the other sutras where he tells a mythological story and it's from the Vipachita Sutra Vipachiti Sutra and it's the battle between the Divas and the Asuras and uh, sometimes the Divas are spoken about as gods and the Asuras are demons you'll find a parallel um, later, you'll find parallel mythologies in the Norse tradition and in the Greek tradition. They basically just change the names, but the mythologies are kind of the same. And in this particular passage, Shakyamuni tells the story about how there was this great battle in heaven, and the chief demon, which is of the name Vipa Chitti, uh, is captured. And in, a, in an amusing and interesting display, the the king demon begins to you know try to psychologically undermine his captors claiming that they're they're weak claiming that they don't have the strength to finish him off that if they were stronger they would just destroy him and so forth and so on but each time the leader of the divas calmly responds and what I find uh, as a parallel in that story is what I would think of as the way that a martial artist would look at conflict or maybe even look at anger. As a martial artist myself, one of the things you try to help people to understand is that if you do things from anger, that that's going to lead you into a cloudy place where you might feel that it's going to initially give you lots of strength. But actually, in the end, what it will do is make you easier to defeat. In fact, there's a trick in martial arts that I used to use back in my tournament fighting days. And I would do something deliberate as skillful means. It was a tournament. One person's going to battle and win over another. I would deliberately do things sometimes to anger my opponent. Because I knew if my opponent was angry, it would be much easier for me to defeat him. So one of the things we learn from martial arts is that even when we're facing great evil, or even when we're facing someone who means to do us harm, if we fall into anger, even if in some fashion we might overcome the conflict, we lose the battle because what we've done is take a little bit away from ourselves. That when I react in anger, and I use anger as the fuel for my actions, as Buddha Gosa said, it's like holding a hot coal in my hand and I'm going to throw it someone else. It gradually erodes and decays. It's not good. So I hope that was clear and I hope that was helpful. So, you know, be compassionate with yourself. When you get angry, at the very least, try not to act on your anger. And then, if you can, take time to look at the source of the anger and see if you can uncover the thoughts and beliefs. And if you do something like the four questions, you can find a clear way to address the issue. And likewise, 
when you feel angry, try to look at the way within which maybe your attachment to this person or this object is exaggerated and not really helpful. This is the word of liberation.